بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله وعلى آله وصحبه ومن والاه الحمد لله we are on now the 27th day of this blessed month of Ramadan may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless us to finish the month with increased vigor and with higher aspiration and stronger resolution we only have a few more days left of this blessed month and uh, to take part in this blessed fast and to reflect deeply upon Allah subhanahu wa in this particular way i.e. Salat al-Tarawih which is specific to Ramadan but hopefully we have been developing customs and habits that we will carry over outside of this blessed month into our lives as we enter into Shawwal the next Islamic month and then as we experience all of the other months of the Islamic year So we are now at a juncture where we are about to look at some of the meanings of chapter 4 in Imam Wazari's book on Kitab Tilawat al-Quran his book on the proprieties of Quranic recitation we've talked about the outward etiquettes and the inner acts and of course just to uh, remind everybody we skipped over the first section on the merit of the Quran because this is being covered by Usad Amjad and his class on the book of Hadith that he is teaching. So we are at chapter 4 where now Imam Wazari is going to teach us a little bit about understanding the Quran, a little bit about tafsir of the Quran with a particular intention of tafsir exegesis or commentary of the Qur'an, but what he really specifically means by this is interpreting the Qur'an and explaining its meanings. And so this is not per se his section on ulum al-Qur'an, the very sciences of the Qur'an, rather he wants us to understand something specific. And that is the point that he made earlier, that someone can understand abundant wisdom from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's book and have various levels of meaning be unlocked for him. And so he wants to address this so that someone doesn't think that they have to restrict themselves only to the outward meaning, the literal interpretation of the verse, which is definitely important and definitely a part of it. But he wants to give us principles so that we can understand there are other meanings as well that can be drawn from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's book. So he says, and this is chapter 4, في فهم القرآن regarding the understanding of the Qur'an وتفسيره and its interpretation بالرأي and رأي literally is an opinion and doesn't just mean any old opinion. Uh, a true opinion is opinion based upon sound knowledge. Someone has a right to that opinion precisely because they have a requisite level of knowledge to have that particular opinion. And um, what he means here by a tafsir al-ra'i, and uh, this is as opposed to that tafsir that is ma'thur. There are meanings of the Qur'an that have been transmitted to us. Some of the meanings come directly from the Prophet Other meanings come to us by various companions of the Prophet and so, what he means by tafsir al-ra'i is other possible meanings of the Qur'an that have not come to us through transmission. And so what he means by tafsir al-ra'i here is a scholarly interpretation. 
based upon certain principles, extracting other meanings than the meanings that have come to us through transmission. And so he says, Perhaps you might say, and what he means is after you've read what has preceded, You have magnified the matter in the preceding section regarding the understanding of the asrar, the secrets of the Qur'an. And, <clears throat> excuse me, that which is unveiled to those possessed, possessed of purified souls. From the various meanings that come to their heart. So he's putting forth a question and he's going to respond to it. How could this be something that is recommended or good? وَقَدْ قَالَ صَلَى اللَّهِ the Prophet has said, مَنْ فَسَّرَ الْقُرْآنَ بِرَأْيِهِ فَلْيَتَّبَوَّأْ مَقْعَدُهُ مِنَ النَّارِ If anyone explains the Qur'an, interprets the Qur'an with their opinion, then let them take their seat in the fire. Now this is a hadith of the Prophet and there are multiple narrations. Imam Wazali is going to eventually clarify to us, and I don't think we're going to get to that today, maybe in one of the future sessions, what his position is on how that hadith is understood. What did the Prophet mean by this hadith, bi-ra'ihi, with his opinion? And definitely there are things that we can roll out. You can't just pick up a translation of the meanings of the Qur'an and just say, oh, I think it means this or that. And from here we have to be careful with some of the groups that get together to talk about the meanings of the Qur'an and when there's not someone trained there to help guide the discussion and for people just to say that, oh, I think that it means this or I think that it means that. And oftentimes they're reading it in translation. This is a big mistake. And just as someone who knows a little bit of Arabic and is reading the Qur'an in Arabic and understanding some of its meanings and then sees that the Qur'an be translated into English, and of course there's different translations, some are better than others, but then even with some of the good translations, the differences in the way that those meanings are rendered into English and translated, one will then know how people of other scriptures, for them to come to know the meaning and for them to purport that they can somehow know what that meaning definitively is, when they're reading it in translation, when there's other translations that are out there, but for them to think that they can come to some definitive conclusion through translation. Anyone has experience with that when they look at Arabic and they look at the English translation of its meanings will know that how far off that they might actually really be from the intended meaning. So, taking it back to what we were discussing here, that Imam Al-Azadi says, how, when the Prophet said a hadith like this, do we understand that? And so, likewise, the Ahl al-Zahir, many of the scholars who have outward knowledge, have denounced the tafsir, the type of interpretation that comes from the mufassirin, i.e. the exegetes, those, the commentators on the Qur'an, especially from at-tasawwuf, if they have affiliations to the science of tasawwuf. 
Fi ta'wil kalimat al-Qur'an ala khilaf ma nuqila. So interpreting Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's book in a way that is different than what has been transmitted from, for instance, Ibn Abbas, Usa'il al-Mufassirin, and the other uh, interpreters of the Qur'an and commentators from the early period. وَذَهَبُوا إِلَىٰ أَنَّهُ كُفُرُ Some of them have even said that some of these interpretations are disbelief. And the reason that they say that is because it is changing the foundational meaning and that, uh, that going against the naql, the transmitted meaning, and um, putting question to this and, and that, uh, that really uh, that saying that this is something that is problematic. Now, I'm just presenting what Imam Ghazali is saying. Uh, this will become more and more clear how to understand this in a balanced fashion. And um, I want to get through this first part and, and just translate some of what's here in the book. And then uh, we'll probably spend another session to understand this a little bit more clearly. So just hang on there and um, inshallah, bear with me as we get through what Imam Zaid is presenting and we'll try our best to bring it all together so we have a good balanced understanding about how to understand uh, the uh, interpretations that have been transmitted at Tafsir bin Ma'thur and how to understand the Tafsir the Ra'i, scholarly interpretations and how to also understand what's called the Tafsir al-Mishari which you can translate as elusive interpretation. So, some of them have said that it's kufr uh, because of the meaning conflicting potentially with the transmitted meaning and that removing the meanings from their foundational meaning in the language. And so then he says, If this is correct, what uh, the people of Tafsir are, have, have said, Then what is the meaning? of understanding the Qur'an other than memorizing what interpretations have been transmitted. If this is not correct, what is the meaning of the words of our Prophet Whoever interprets the Qur'an with his opinion, then let him take his place in the fire. So he's putting forth this question, how do we understand this? Um, it seems like what the Prophet is saying with his opinion here is excluding this tafsir bil-ra'i these scholarly interpretations and included in that by extension is the elusive interpretations but if that's the case then what he's saying is when we talk about fahm al-Quran what you're really saying that is, is you have to memorize all of the interpretations all you can do is memorize the interpretations that have been transmitted so then he says, He says, No, that anyone who claims that there are no additional meanings to the Quran and its verses, save that which the literal interpretation indicates. This person who says this is actually saying, they are telling you about and explaining to you revealing the limits of their own self. So he might be right in terms of what he's telling us about himself. 
وَلَكِنَّهُ مُخْتِعُونَ فِي الْحُكُمْ بِرَدِّ الْخَلْكَافَةً إِلَى دَرَجِهِ But he's mistaken and wrong in his judgment where he's saying that other people in, in creation, other scholars as well, are only at his same level. And this place where he is limited to and where he is stopped. So, uh, in various narrations, akhbar, transmissions, and athar, they indicate that there are an expansive amount of meanings of the Qur'an for those endowed with understanding. And so, for instance, he quotes, and this is narrated in the collection of Imam al-Nisa'i, the statement of Sayyidina Ali, which he had quoted earlier, when Sayyidina Ali was asked, is it if he was singled out with any type of knowledge other people were not given? And he responded in the negative, but then he said, and this is through his humility, save that one of us would be given an understanding of the Qur'an. And in this particular narration, except that for Allah Ta'ala to give one of his servants a special understanding in Allah Ta'ala's book. So, Fahman fil Qur'an, he's pointing in this statement to a special understanding that he had been given in Allah Ta'ala's book. And this would make sense because Sayyidina Ali bin Abi Talib was the most knowledgeable of all of the companions. And the Prophet was the city of knowledge. And Ali was its gate, is its gate. And so that if it's not just uh, the transmitted meanings that he's memorized, then what is that fahm? And this is, it seems in this, in this statement of Sayyidina Ali, it's not referring to him just telling people what some of the transmitted meanings of tafsir of interpretation are. Qadr sallallahu alayhi wa and then he quotes a hadith, and there's multiple narrations that have slight variations. إِنَّ لِلْقُرْآنِ ظَهْرًا وَبَطْنًا وَحَدًّا And you could say مُطْلَعًا or مَطْلَعًا Indeed that the Qur'an has, and we'll just offer a basic way to translate this, and we'll talk a little bit about its meanings. ظَهْرًا وَبَطْنًا The Qur'an has an outward element, and an inward element. وَحَدًّا A limit. وَمَطْلَعًا You could say a rising point or a مُطَّلَعًا There you translate it probably as something like vantage point. وَيُرْوَى أَيْضًا إِنَّ مَسْعُودٍ It's also narrated from Sayyidina Abdullah ibn Rasul مَوْقُوفًا عَلَيْهِ Such that the chain of narration stops with him. وَهُوَ مِنْ عُلْمَةِ تَفْسِيرٍ And he's from the great scholars of Quranic interpretation. فَمَا مَعْنَى الظَّهْرُ وَالْبَطْنُ وَالْحَدُّ وَالْمَطْلَعُ So what does it mean, this ظَهْر, this بَطْن, this حد and this مَطْلَعُ And um, the, I will share now just a few of the opinions about that, just to show how it points to the various dimensions of meaning and the abundance of meaning in Allah Ta'ala's book. And this is taken from Imam Murtaba Al-Zabidi's Sharh of the Ihya al-Mudin, his commentary. And so he said that they, they differ about what that is. So some of them say the outward, the lahar, the outward aspect of that is 
the lakluha. So basically what the expression means or what the word means in the Arabic language. Valtinoha, its internal dimension, is its ta'wil, its interpretation. And so some of them say is that the outward aspect of that verse or that uh, that meaning is relates to what happened to people who came before, the fact that they were destroyed. And the and the inward aspect of it is that it's a wow. It's an admonition for people who would come later. Now, and so um, uh, there, there are different meanings uh, and um, that some of them say that the Lahar also is a tilawa, uh, the recitation, the meaning of how to recite it. So the, the Lahar of it is, is that how to recite it correctly outwardly, whereas the inward is the fahm, how to understand it. And some of them say that the had, the limit, refers to the ahkam of the halal and the haram, the various legal rulings of the halal and the haram. And the matra is, or the matara, relates to the wa'ad and the wa'id, the promises and the threats. Um, and then others say is that the had, the limit, refers to muntaha ma'aradallahu min ma'na, is that the uh, for this limit of what Allah Ta'ala wanted from its meaning. No. And that others say is that it relates to its miqdar min al-thawab al-iqab, the degree to which that one will be get reward for it or to be punished. No. Um, and then others say is that matla' ay yatawasabihi The matla' means is that uh, the meaning whereby which someone comes to know Allah Ta'ala through it, through the meaning of that verse. No. So there's a lot of different opinions about what this means. But it's sufficient for us at this point to know as that the Quran has a dahran and a batnan muhaddan wa matla and al-matla. And this indicates the range of meaning, the dimensions of meaning that each verse in the Quran has. So then we have, he quotes this other statement of Sayyidina Ali bin Abi Talib. It's found in Qutul Qulub of Abu Talib al-Makki, which again was previously quoted. لَوْ شِئْتُ لَأَوْقَرْتُ سَبْعِينَ بَعِرًا مِنْ تَفْسِيرِ فَاتِحَةِ الْكِتَابِ Were I to have wanted to load 70 camels with books of the interpretation of the opening chapter of the Qur'an, the Fatiha, I would have been able to do so. And so, is to load a camel with something and to give the camel a load to carry. And so, he says that I could write enough books on the commentary of the Fatiha that it would take an entire camel, that, 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 that you could put that on, you could, there would be so many books that it would take 70 camels to carry all of those books. So Imam Ghazali is saying, if Sayyidina Ali bin Abi Talib said this, he said, What does this mean when, if you wanted to give a, an interpretation of the Fatiha uh, related to its literal meaning or its that foundational outward meaning, that it's actually fairly short and it wouldn't take that long to do so. So what does it mean for Sayyidina Ali to say 
70 camels worth of volumes of books he could write about the, uh, the Kitab. And then he quotes another statement of Abu Darda. He says, لا يفقه رجله حتى يجعل القرآن وزوها A man truly hasn't attained understanding until he understands is that the Quran has dimensions of meaning. وقد قال بعض العلماء Some of the scholars have said لِكُلِّ آيَةٍ سِئْتُونَ أَلْفَ فَهْمٍ Every verse has 60,000 different understandings. وَمَا بَقِيَ مَنْ فَهْمِهَا أَكْثَرٍ And what remains from its understandings is even more. لَا إِلَهَا اللَّهِ I believe in that in the way that it's supposed to be believed in. That this is in the Ihya and he is quoting Abu Talib Makin al We believe in this as it's supposed to be believed in. This indicates how much knowledge is in Allah Ta'ala's book. And then he says, This is also in Qut al-Qulub. Al-Qur'an yahwi sab'atan wa sab'ina alf in wa miyatay in. The Qur'an contains 77,200 different types of knowledge or sciences. Is li kulli kalimatan in? Because every kalima, every word, or perhaps that could be referred to, that a group of words is Knowledge. And then that is multiplied four times over. So again, referring back to the hadith of our Prophet pointing to the various dimensions. And then he says, and when the Prophet repeated Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim 20 times, he said, the Prophet would have only done that to reflect deeply upon and contemplate the inner meanings of Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Illa, he said, otherwise, The interpretation of that and the outward meaning of that is apparent. It wouldn't require the likes of our Prophet to repeat it. So again, the fact that the Prophet did this means he had he was swimming in the oceans of meaning that were opening up to him as he was repeating it. And then again he quotes the statement of Ibn Mas'ud, Man Whoever wants the knowledge of the ancients, those who came before, and that who wants the knowledge of those who will come at later times. And uh, here would be translated as let him study the Quran, reflect upon the Quran, and extract these meanings from Allah Ta'ala's book. He says this does not happen, i.e., one doing this according to what Ibn Mas'ud is saying, by just focusing on the transmitted meanings and the most apparent meanings of Allah Ta'ala's book. There are other meanings that this would have to, that, that would have to be there that are unlocked to the heart to really understand what he's saying. So then he says, jumnati In general, He said, All knowledge is contained in the Acts of Allah Ta'ala and in His attributes. 
So Imam Wazari says this, and he says is that existence, its reality is Allah in his actions. And Allah's existence is necessary existence. And then everything else in creation, everything else in creation is his af'al, or his acts. And again, we are taught always to look at things from two perspectives. From the outward perspective, the standpoint of sharia, and the inward perspective, the standpoint of reality. And what he's speaking about when he says it is af'al of Allah, he's talking about its reality. And when we see it and we notice it, and that if something is not right, that wrong, we try to change, we try to remove. So this is very important now that we be balanced and always look at everything in creation from the standpoint of sharia and from the standpoint of haqiqah, from the standpoint of the law and from the standpoint of reality. And so he said, is that all ulum, all knowledge, all sciences, ultimately are contained in what we, what he says in the uh, are included in the acts of Allah and His attributes. And if you think about everything in creation, everything in creation that someone can come to know, everything that everyone studies, ultimately from the standpoint of it being an act of Allah, i.e. Allah created those things, and were He not to create them, they wouldn't be in existence. So this makes a lot of sense. And he says, well, Quran, And in the Quran is an explanation, a sharh of his that, of his essence, of his af'al, his acts, and his sifat, and his traits, subhanahu wa ta'ala. And these knowledges, this type of knowledge, these sciences are unending. They do not cease. And in the Quran that we have indications of them. And so that there is so much that we can learn from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's book. And he introduces this topic in chapter 4 this way so that we can be in awe of the Quran and everything that it contains. And this is one of the reasons why they say Al-Quran Al-Kareem. Yes, it's a noble Quran. But the Qur'an is also kareem. It's a generous Qur'an. And when you read it, and if you have proper adab, and you're in a state of purity, and you strive to think about the meanings, and you do your part to learn, the Qur'an gives. And it generously gives, day in and day out, year after year, year after year. And what it gives is inexhaustible. It will continue to give. It will continue to give. And what we receive from it is like those incessant waves on the seashore. It continues to give time and time again, time and time again. And ultimately, the meanings are inexhaustible. And may Allah open up the door for us to understand His book and to establish a connection that with it and increase our relationship with His book. Ya Arham Rahmin, and to give us tawfiq in these last days of this blessed month. Ya Arham Rahmin, to do what is most pleasing to Him, subhanahu wa ta'ala, in every single moment. Barakallahu feekum, inshallah ta'ala. We will see you all again tomorrow. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.